Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Magnify you for your love. Now, Lord, we come before you to receive instructions. We ask, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us, the mysteries in your world that will drive us closer to you, to become one with you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, so we continue with uh, our study on the kingdom of God, surrounded violent. And then the word said, violent, take it by force. Our main text again is Matthew 11, verse number 12. So you go back there to Matthew 11, verse number 12. And it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. I tried to explain something to us last week that this violent or being violent in entering the kingdom of God have nothing to do with we're trying to possess what belongs to us that was stolen either by the enemy or the case may be. It's not a subject of prayer to get back what you lost. That is not what Jesus meant to say. It's not a scripture that you use to regain lost territories. That is not the mind of Christ. It's not a scripture for Holy Ghost fire type of prayers that we are used to. Amen? By which we think we dispossess the enemy so that we can regain what belongs to us. This scripture is actually a revelation and an understanding of the blessings and the glory that you can find in the kingdom. Which drives you to go into the kingdom. It is as you see the blessings, as you see the glory contained in the kingdom, you will now want to go into the kingdom to experience those blessings and the glory. Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus speaking says, after teaching on what to pray for, pray our Father which is in heaven, that kingdom comes that will be done on earth, right? We went for that to begin to say, 
The things that the Gentiles are looking for are not what you are supposed to be looking for. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all those things shall be added. In terms of your housing, your clothing, your feeding, he says, seek first the kingdom, all other things shall be added. And when you say seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, you got to understand what that means. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of God. In Matthew chapter 5, he said the same thing. He said, except your righteousness, except the righteousness of the of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. So, when we talk about the righteousness, give me Romans 3.21. When he says, seek a false, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then you should understand it. Look at that. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Be witnessed by the law and the prophet. What is that supposed to mean? This is what you see on the Mount of Transfiguration. The law and the prophet has to do with Elijah and Moses. We are told here the law and the prophet are witnessing the righteousness of God. So what is the righteousness of God? Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Good. So when the Bible says, seek here for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it, it, it makes it very simple. You're looking for God's rule through Jesus Christ. That's all. Now, until you find value on that, you can't look for him. In fact, like we tried to explain last week, people like Joseph or Matthias, remember that? Good. They were able to drive themselves into making provision because they saw value in the kingdom. So when Jesus says, seek here for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's like saying, come to the place of believing in the rule of God which I represent, and I am the authority, I am the Lord, remember, is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Every king has a kingdom, so seek my kingdom and God's righteousness, which I stand for, and every other thing shall be added unto you. Are you, are you getting that? Praise God. So that's exactly what he's talking about. So it's, it's not, when you talk about the kingdom is suffering violent. It has nothing to do with what we've always believed that scripture to mean. Where you, you have to be very violent in your prayers. and I mean, that's not wrong to be violent in the prayers, but I'm not saying, I'm saying this scripture is not meant for that. Jesus wasn't saying that. Praise God. So again, let's look at that. Matthew 11, 12, and 13. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Verse 13 says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Meaning, when they go to John, their prophecy seems to cease. What implication is that? 
Every one of them was speaking about this coming kingdom in a way. Remember, Isaiah have to tell you, a virgin is going to give you birth, a child is born. You remember that? The government shall be upon his shoulder. It's talking about the kingdom of God. Right? Good. So, all of them were prophesying and speaking this thing. But now John came, who is now the bridge between that which they said and that which is now. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? Now the bridge it came to the, is a middleman. Right? Between the old covenant and the new covenant. And I explained that to you some other time. Where you see scripture says, Of those born of women, there's none as great as John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Why? John the Baptist prophesied. John the Baptist spoke about the kingdom. John the Baptist brought in the Lord. You know, introduced Jesus to the church and the church to Jesus. But guess what? He never entered into the kingdom that he spoke about or that he inaugurated. I would say he inaugurated the kingdom. But he never entered into it. He died before Jesus died. You see what I mean? And the kingdom never came into place in the true sense until after resurrection. I, I, I made, I made a, a, a post just um, yesterday or so. When people ask me this question, that's really what you have to do with when you start hearing the teaching on uh, the finished work of Christ. You've heard about finished work of Christ, grace, all of those things. What actually finished? Let's be honest. What finished? What finished was just the law, the rituals, the, the, I mean, the animal killings. That's what finished. But that is not what saved you. The cross didn't save you. What saved you is the spirit. You are not saved by the cross. You are saved by the Holy Ghost. That's what people don't understand. So, the argument, I mean... All the preacher about is the finished work of Christ, finished work. What is finished? Guess what? The work have not even finished yet. Why? Because you have not entered into glory. Your body is still suffering. You are supposed to experience, remember what I shared with you before. Passover, Pentecost, and what? Tabernacle. The work is not finished yet. The Bible says, you must rule or you must reign until he bring all enemies where? On the feet. So the war continues. He's still ready. Praise God. So when you talk about the finished quarter of Christ, you're just talking about the animal sacrifices that ended. Christ hasn't finished anything yet. The job continues. And you are not born again by the cross. The cross is not what saved you. Romans 5 verse 10 tells you, if we've been justified by his sacrifice, by his blood, we shall be saved by his life. The life is on the other side, which is the Holy Spirit. So, you are saved after Jesus raised from the grave, when he rose from the grave, that, and the Holy Ghost came down, that's what saved you, not when he went to the cross. You went to the cross with him. You died with him on the cross. How I many of you understand that? But your real life was released on the other side of resurrection. So the cross is not the ultimate. Praise God. And a lot of people don't like this. But that is the truth. 
Amen? Okay. So let's move on here. So we're saying, okay, give with me um, Matthew 11, 12, and let's look at it from message translation. I like the way it comes in here. Hallelujah. Is that what it's saying there? For, I mean, message translation, please. Okay. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into what? God's kingdom. And I want you to look at this. That's the violence. People have tried to force themselves into the kingdom. You see, they want to use their own method. They want to use their own formulas to enter into the kingdom. But there is a formula or there is a standard or there is an order by which you enter into the kingdom. So like the Pharisees, they think they understand everything about the kingdom. They think they know everything about the kingdom. Guess what? Let's even look at something again. Luke chapter 16, verse 16. And I would like us to take this from the Amplified Translation. Amplified Translation. Luke 16, 16. Until John came, there were the law and the prophets. Since then, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, is being preached. And everyone strives violently to go in with force his own way rather than God's way into it. Did you get that? Man wants to go into the kingdom in their own dictates, not the dictates of God. And that is part of what we are talking about when men will go to do whatever you call violent prayers to possess and all of that. They are trying to force their way into the kingdom in their own way, in their own method, in their own, you know, whatever thing they have up conjured for themselves by which they can enter into the kingdom of God. But God has a way he has ordained for us to go into the kingdom. He's got a standard for us to go into the kingdom. So what Luke is saying here, a lot of people are trying to press themselves into the kingdom using their own ways and method and, you know, whatever thing you want to call that. So, praise the Lord. So primarily those trying to force themselves into the kingdom of God, in this context, we actually describe some of the Pharisees. The men of old, before Jesus came, even in the time of Jesus. Hallelujah. They want to make themselves popular. They want to make themselves known. They want everybody to accept them as somebody. Remember I told you how they used to walk the street with the keys. Amen. Big hole key round the shoulder, walking around the street. And you see them, they hold the keys to the library or to the where you have the scrolls. Right? And it is from the scrolls you can understand what the kingdom of God is all about. Remember the young ruler that came to Jesus and he told him, what read a doubt or, I mean, what do you have to say about that? And he said, that shall love the neighbor that serve all of those lords. By the time you finish quoting, say you are not far from the kingdom. How many of you understand that? Very good. Say you are not far from the kingdom. That means what brings you into the kingdom is knowledge. Did you get that? 
Say, you are not far from the kingdom. So what, what do you understand? What can you say? Oh, come on. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, and then love thy neighbor by thyself. Say, you are not far from where? From the kingdom. Jesus said that. So, why was it the guy was not far from the kingdom? He had knowledge of what God says. Is that okay? Praise God. So, the key of knowledge was what the Pharisees were holding. They wouldn't allow people to come in, neither would they allow others to, you know, if they themselves were not going, neither would they allow other people to come in. Right? Why? Because they shut the door of knowledge. They were not even knowledge to people. And I was spoke to a friend. He was telling me he belonged to a particular network then, apostolic network. And so I was trying to look at his notes. And then he told me, No, I'm not one of the people who teaches in the network, so I can see his notes. And I said, Man, that's Pharisee spirit. Scripture says, freely have you received, freely give. What are you hiding? It's only the Pharisees that hide knowledge for other people not to get the knowledge that they have. So that they can always be puffing up in the street thinking that they are somebody when it is true saying they are nobody. Religious people. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Now, but they try to fold themselves into the kingdom. Right. So they fail the old kingdom, the Pharisees, they fail the old kingdom by reason of their being Jews and then being a custodian of the laws of Moses. Remember, okay, Matthew 20, 23, verse 1 and 2. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 23. 23, 1 and 2. Then Jesus said to the multitude and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Of authority. So observe and practice all they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Did you get that? Now the verse 2 is the key point. What I want you to see is verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, authority of Moses. You understand that? They have the law. They can interpret the law to the people. And now they judge the whole community by the laws of Moses, they were in charge of the laws. So they feel they were important people. So to them, the kingdom belongs to them. They have authority. They, they are the only one that can grant you access into the kingdom. Praise God. So, with all of this in their mind, in their attitude, they feel they own the kingdom, they feel they possess the kingdom, they feel in their own way, they're forcing themselves into what? into the kingdom of God. Praise the living God. So, even today we have the same principle. There are some of us Christians who think we are the only one that are qualified to enter into the kingdom. But that I mean by the way we pray, by the way we conduct things, you understand that we are formalists. By which we think you can even make a Christian more better than a Christian. In quote. Hallelujah. The same spirit of the Pharisees is still prevalent today within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, when you watch the messages being preached, you'll be able to know. If people begin to tell you formulas and methods by which you can obtain things and all God's way, that is forcing themselves into what? The kingdom of God. 
Hallelujah. Somebody say God has his own terms. Like we read in that passage. Say men are trying to force themselves into the kingdom of God in their own way. But see, God has his own way. Let's get a little scripture on that. Um, if we go by the message of John the Baptist, what did he tell you? Repent for the kingdom of God. This word is at hand. So the way of God, the way of repentance, not the way of forcing yourself through violent prayers to get into the kingdom. No. It's so simple. God has his own way. Men are trying to use their own way to get into the kingdom. Amen. So John's message is very simple. What did he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the first people that were supposed to actually receive that were the scribes and Pharisees. Why? They got to change their mind from who they are, they think they are, and from the way they were operating. They were the first people to actually receive that message from John the Baptist. And that's why he discovered that when he was baptizing, even some scribes and Pharisees, even the priests, they came. Those who got understanding of the time and the season they were, they came to John to be baptized. So the baptism of John was the baptism of repentance. I've explained this to you before. Somebody asked me a question recently. What have you got to say about John's baptism? John's baptism primarily was to introduce Jesus Christ as a Messiah. The scripture said, John said, God told him as he was going to baptize, the man that the dove will rest upon, that is the one he's looking for. So the baptism was to look for John. I mean, who? Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, remember, they were cousins six months apart, but you didn't know him as the Messiah. You only knew him as Jesus, the child of Joseph or Mary. But that he was a Messiah was not made known unto who? Unto John. But at the time of baptism, God told him, that when you are going to baptize the people, the man that the dove will rest upon, that's the one you are looking for. So he was baptizing to look for. Number one. Then number two. Jesus, he introduced him, John chapter one. He already told the people, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. Now, for the lamb to be sacrificed on the altar, it must be washed. Therefore, Jesus has to be baptized by the washing of John the Baptist. And John was a priest. Only the priests were qualified to wash the lamb. So, John was the priesthood of Zachariah. I mean, his father was. So, he was qualified now to do what? To wash Jesus, prepare him for the sacrifice. Are you following that? Then when he said, let's fulfill our righteousness. If you think repentance or baptism means to baptize from your sins, what sins, in quote, did Jesus commit? Because he came for the baptism of who? Of John. Are you there with me? Good. So you know what? Jesus had to repent of the law. Galatians chapter 4. He was born under the law. So he came to the baptism of John to repent of the law under which he was born. Are you getting that? These are the reasons why John was baptizing the river Jordan. 
but discovered that as soon as Jesus was located, he didn't continue with baptism anymore. Because what he was looking for had been accomplished. That is why in Acts 18, remember, Priscilla and Aquila, I mean, uh, there was a Priscilla and Aquila, where they took in Apollos. The Bible tells us that Apollos knew only of the baptism of John. He knew nothing else. Other than the baptism of John. But Priscilla and Aquila have to strengthen him out. And as at that time, record has it that the Holy Spirit has already been poured out on 20 years behind time. When he was still operating. I remember, he was very eloquent. Very, you understand that God. So you can be eloquent and yet know nothing about the move of God or what God is doing. So Apollos was very eloquent. He can quote the scripture left and right, back and front. The Bible tells us he was very knowledgeable in the scriptures, but he was limited to the understanding of John the Baptist. That was a problem. And this time I'm saying, when Priscilla and Aquila were helping him out, that was 20 years after the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Can you imagine that? So some people could be doing ministry today, 20 years behind time. And they are still very vigorously pursuing whatever thing they think they have and thinking that that's what God is doing. And that's the problem we're having today with the body of Christ as well. Praise the living God. Alright. So here we find that the Pharisees are the first people that were supposed to repent, change their way of thinking about the things of the kingdom of God. Amen? Alright. The ideologies, and so in other words, they must come to the place of embracing the new season that God has in mind. By implication, the Pharisees' repentance means changing from the law into the spirit of the New Testament. Let's look at how Jesus started his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. I uh, also like this already from the Amplified Translation. Praise God. Mark 1, 14. Now after John was arrested and put in prison. Thank you. Jesus came into Galilee. Preaching the good news. The gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is very important to me. And I'm sure to you as well. The good news is not about finished work. The good news is not about grace. The good news is not about salvation. Come on, is anybody following what I'm saying here? The good news is not about prosperity. The good news is not even about faith. That which you call faith movement. To grab things. The good news is what? The kingdom of God. It's so plain in the Bible. <laughs> we'll come back here. Give me Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. Matthew 24 verse 14. You can also take it from the Amplify if need be. And this good news of the kingdom, the gospel. So when you say the gospel, what is the gospel? It's the good news of the kingdom. Are you seeing it? And this good news of the kingdom, the gospel will be preached throughout the whole world. As a testimony to all the nations. And then will the end do what? Or come the end. 
the, the end come. But what I want you to see there is, remember Jesus said this. He calls the gospel world good news. What do we preach today? Everything we are preaching are fragmentation of that which is supposed to be in the whole lump. So we pick finish work. We pick Christocentric. Huh? <laughs> you understand that? We pick grace. We pick, uh, what do you have? Faith. We pick prosperity. We pick healing. We pick, just name it. All of those things you are saying. No. They are all part of it. Jesus said, go preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Is that okay? Right. We pray deliverance as if it's something very specific. No, 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 no. They are all fragmentation. There is only one good news. And that's the good news of what? Of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. So back again to Mark 11. I mean Mark 1. I love this. Verse 14. Now John was arrested and put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee and preaching the good news. The gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. There is but one gospel. No two gospel. One gospel. Amen. Verse 15. And saying the appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed. What Daniel spoke. Daniel chapter 7. The time has come when he said he was going to give the kingdom to the saints of the Most High. And there shall be no end. Is that okay? It has completed. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Have a change of mind which is using regret for your passings and change of conduct for the better. And believe, trust, and rely on and adhere to the good news. Adhere to the good news. Which is the gospel. Adhere to that. This is what we don't do today. Jesus said, get yourself into this position. Adhere to it. Stay with it. Believe it. Trust it. This is what I come to do. Remember, this is Jesus. So the first message he preached was the kingdom of God. And the last message he preached was the kingdom of God. It, uh, chapter 1. I mean, if you remember that. Very good. Let's go back there. So I'll show you. Uh, chapter 1. Uh, look at verse 3, 4. No, King James is fine. So that will be fast on this. To whom now also he showed himself alive after his passion by many fallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to what? The kingdom of God. Okay, take this amplifier, just this portion, just this place. Hallelujah. Okay. To them also, he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross. Understand that? By a series of of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences, and infallible proofs appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them about what? The things 
of what? The kingdom of God. He started ministry with the kingdom of God. He ended ministry with what? The kingdom of God. What do you preach, dear preacher? If you are a disciple, oh help me now. You got to be as your master. Scripture said, disciple must be as his master, but not above his master. For you to be a disciple means you are somebody you are following. You're following the teachings and the doctrine of that individual. That's why I call a disciple. If we are disciples of Jesus, what do we teach? Hallelujah. So, change your mind was what Jesus told these people. What the message of John was all about. Repent. Remember, I'm trying to look at the condition by which you enter into the kingdom. Because people are trying to force themselves in their own way. But God has his own way by which you enter into the kingdom. And the first place is repent. Hallelujah. So, here Jesus was speaking to the people. You have to repent of your religious ways and embrace the kingdom ethics and principles. Hallelujah. In order to enter into the kingdom of God, you got to repent of those things. Cry Pharisees, religious people, you got to change your mind about the things you think you know and embrace what Jesus is saying. Hallelujah. Now, I found a very interesting story talking about God's own way of entering the kingdom. So, let's look at John chapter 3 and uh, Amplified Translation. Verse number 1 and 2. Let us read on to verse 6. Verse 1. Now, there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader, an authority among the Jews. I like the description. He was a ruler. He was an authority. When you say authority, somebody who, who holds the scripture and, and you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to find answers, you go to that individual. You got authority. That's why when Jesus was teaching at the time, they asked him, for what authority are you doing what you're doing or teaching what you're teaching? You understand that? So, Nicodemus got authority. He was a ruler, he was a leader. You need to see the credentials of this man first. And then, verse 2. Who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God. We know. We say what we know means we the Pharisees know. You understand? Why did you think he came in the night? Because if he comes in the open, he will be thrown out of being a Pharisee. He has to come in the night. We know. So it's like saying, man, we are not pretending. This is true. We already know. Amen. As a teacher, for no one can do these things or these signs, these wondrous works, these miracles, and produce the proof that you do unless God is with him. That is theology. What I mean is, he was praising Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah. He was saying, man, you're a great guy. You're such a wonderful teacher. We know how good you are. But look at the reply Jesus gave. This is what I'm interested in. Jesus answered him. I assured you more solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, oh my God, <laughs> I knew from above, he cannot see 
you cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience what? The kingdom of God. So when he says see, it means to know. It means to understand. Is that okay? Now, but I want you to see the picture. Hey, hey, the man came and said, hey man, yeah, he's such a great guy. You understand that? Jesus just, I mean, he went out of all of those praises and hit him straight. Man, you can't be saying this when you ought to have forsaken this level you are and come join me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the praises amounts to nothing. Jesus didn't take, I mean, no cognizance, no, no question about, oh, thank you so much. Yes, okay, you know, yes, you know, that's, that's who we are, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God, you know, you understand that? Oh, thank you so much that you recognize me. Hey, no, say, man, don't flatter me here. I know who I am. You need to come from where you are and join me. Stop fooling around being a leader. You are leading people nowhere. The tide have changed. It's a new season. In the season now is God's kingdom. You need to come over here and stop being a leader over there. Is that okay? Except you're born from above. You can't see. You can't experience. So, remember what we read in Luke chapter 16? Men are trying to force themselves in their own way into the kingdom. But Jesus is saying the only way for you to come into the kingdom is first of all to be born from above. And when you're born from above, you begin to see. What does it mean to see? It means to know. It means to be acquainted with and to experience what? What? The kingdom of God is all about. Are you following me? This is God's way of entering the kingdom. Now, when I say these people think I don't pray, I'm not talking about, you know I pray. At least this church know I pray. I'm not talking about when people do certain things and they call it prayers. No, you don't enter the kingdom through those methods. You come through sin because you are born from above by the Holy Spirit. Now you understand the new season you are. You begin to discover who you are. You begin to discover the authority of Jesus Christ over your life. That's what we are saying. We are not bombarding the gate of hell, I mean the gate of heaven, to be able to get possessions and properties. That is not it. Is it clear? There was a leader. Remember, we are talking to somebody who understands the law. Early recognized within the society. He said, we know that you are from God. Because the way you teach, no, no, no. With all the proofs, the evidence are there that you are from God. Jesus was not going to take that as anything. He said, man, forget about all those things you are saying. Just come over here. Come over here. Stop being religious. And that's exactly what it is. A lot of fathers don't be religious. Praise God. What's the next thing? And he said, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into his mother's womb again and be born? You can, you can, you can, now you begin to understand that religion can make you very stupid. Because you don't understand anything. You see, thinking natural. He have nothing to do, he have no clue about spirit. Things is still thinking natural. 
but he was a leader. Praise the Lord. Look at the next verse. Verse 5. Jesus answered, I'll show you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man be born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter into what? The kingdom of God. Now I want you to see this. So you are not forcing yourself in. You are to be born again of water and the spirit. Now guess what? This is not H2O. This is the water of the world. Ephesians 5. Remember that? As Jesus so loved the church that you have to wash it by the water of the word. Or sanctified by the water, the washing of the water of the word. You understand what I mean? This is not talking about H2O. H2O can give birth to you. That's a natural element. Spirit, how to be spirit? Are you there with me? So Jesus told him, you've got to be born from above. Your, your whole, I mean, the Holy Spirit has to come in to your human spirit to get you born again. You took it too natural. Look at the next thing. What is born of from the flesh is flesh and of the physical is physical. And what is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. I've explained this several times. Remember that the Holy Spirit gave birth to your human spirit. Your human spirit is Proverbs 20, Is that okay? That's your human spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching the inward belly. Right? Good. That is Proverbs 20, That's your spirit man. So the part of you that is giving battle is your human spirit. Now God is trying to tell him, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen to me, all the rituals you are involved in, all of those things you've been doing, they are all actual washing, nothing to do with the inner man. Praise the living God. All the sacrifices, all of those things that were been done in the temple cannot touch your spirit. They were just outward washing. You can read Hebrews chapter 9, be able to get all of those pictures. So Jesus is saying, hey listen, Nicodemus, with all that you think you know, you are far from the kingdom. For you to come into the kingdom, you're not going to bulldoze your way as a Pharisee to go into the kingdom. You've got to come into the kingdom by your human spirit receiving the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Alright. So, what's the next thing? He said, verse 7, Marvel not, do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must be born anew from above. Don't be surprised about that, Nicodemus. You got to. Hallelujah. So, what am I trying to present to you? Because in comparing Luke chapter 16, verse 16, there we may to understand there are men are trying to force their way into the kingdom of God. Remember that? But Jesus is presented to us here. The means by which we can get into what? The kingdom of God. What is that means? Born from above. Hallelujah. 
you got to be born from above. That is how you get into the kingdom. That's why you come to experience the kingdom. That's why you become a partaker of the kingdom. Amen? Praise the living God. So I, I love the way Jesus handled this man. Now, what is a kingdom? Again, understand this. So remember, except a man be born from above, he cannot see. To see means to know, means to experience. So, Romans 14, 17. Again, amplified translation. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Look at it. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. But instead, it is what? Righteousness. That state which makes a person acceptable to God. What makes you acceptable to God is because you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you with me? Now, see, this is what he was trying to tell Nicodemus. You can come into the kingdom except you accept me. You are not just accepting me by describing who I am. You got to believe in my teachings. You got to believe in who I am in terms of me representing what the kingdom is all about. So here he says, and then that's the which makes a person acceptable to God and have peace and joy where? In the Holy Spirit. This is a kingdom. So when we say, except you are born again, you cannot see. Now understand that. What that's supposed to mean? You can know peace. You can experience the righteousness of God, which is the Christ Spirit. Look at the next verse. Verse 18 or 17 now. He who serves Christ in this way is acceptable and pleasing to God and is approved by men. What is that supposed to mean? By implication, Nicodemus, your worship is not acceptable to God. Because on the law, it's on that rituals. Are you getting that? Good. You come into the kingdom, then you're going to find acceptance. God now accepts you because you're walking in the kingdom. Now, when you move into the kingdom, what are the things you're going to be experiencing? Number one, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. The joy of God, which comes from the Holy Spirit, not what comes from material things. You can have the joy of maybe a new car, but guess what? It's temporary because if that car gets on the highway and one drunkard just move in and blast your car, the whole of your joy is gone. Do you understand that? So the joy you get from getting a brand new car is temporary, but what we're looking at is joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, nothing affects it. No matter your condition, that's why you discovered that people like Paul and Silas, they can still be singing because they were, though they were in prison, they could still be singing. Why? The joy of the Lord was their strength. Praise God. Are you still there? Now I want you to get this right. There is no forcing your way into the kingdom. In terms of the kingdom of God, self-reviling. No, 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 no. That is not, you're not forcing your way. You're going to go by God's own way. God has a standard by which you come into the kingdom. 
But the truth is, religions can't save you. Religions can't give you the joy that you are supposed to be experiencing when you come into the kingdom of God. And that's so critical for us to observe. And so Nicodemus was washed down. Jesus said, man, listen, you got to come out of that. Come and embrace the new thing so that you can see. Hallelujah. You cannot, you cannot just know, but you also come to experience what the kingdom of God is all about. Praise God. So Jesus was simply telling him, man, it doesn't matter. We're a doctor of the law, leader of the people. You got to come out of those religious things and embrace the kingdom of God. It must be born of the spirit. For that with the born of the spirit is spirit. That with the born of the flesh is flesh. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Let me, let me give you a scripture of this and, and then maybe end for today. Ezekiel 36, 25, 27. You can take King James if you want. Ezekiel 36, 25, 27. Praise God. Are you there? Okay. Listen to this. Then will I scream, pour clean water upon you, and it shall be clean. From all your filthiness, and from all your idols, will I cleanse you. Right? Sprinkling clean water speaks of the baptism by the word of the Spirit. Not ordinary water. Are you getting that? That's why I say I will give you the heart of flesh instead of the heart of small. Read on, let's see. What's the next thing? And a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will make take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you what? An heart of flesh. Praise God. What's the next thing? And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my status. And you shall keep my judgment and do them. You know, Israel couldn't keep the laws of God. Why? Because the spirit was not within them. So when it says, I will sprinkle you with clean water, it's not talking about H2O. It's talking about the water of the world. They are the new spirit. This is the same thing you see in Matthew 28. When he says, go baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not water baptism. It's teaching them the word of God. The truth about who Jesus Christ really is. Are you with me? Good. So there is a way into the kingdom, not the way man have ordained, not the way man have determined, not the way man think he want to pass through to get into the kingdom. No, no, no. There is a way. And the way of God is repent of your old ways, of your old way of thinking, of the things you think you know before. Repent of your religious spirit like Nicodemus and receive the Holy Spirit from above. They can change your thinking and change your mindset and cause you to walk in the way of God. Just like we find now in Ezekiel 36. Now you can be able to walk. That's what scripture says in Romans chapter 8. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. Not the one that observe laws, rules, and regulations. No. So when the sprinkling takes place, you can now fulfill the laws of God. Hallelujah. You can walk in the way and the dictates of God. Now you are in the kingdom. And what happened? You begin to experience the peace of God, the joy of God, and the love of God begin to flow into your life. What's the next thing? The fruit of the Spirit begin to be manifested into your life. You don't cultivate them. They come in via the Holy Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Let's read that scripture and I will close for tonight. Galatians 5. Uh, look at verse 20. 
Galatians 5. Uh, okay, go to verse 21 quick and take it from Amplify. Take it from Amplify. Uh, what am I looking at? Okay, go to 22. I'm sorry. This is work of the flesh. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wish you could take a closer look of this passage. It is a fruit. It's a fruit. Did you notice that? <laughs> One fruit. But many attributes in this one fruit. And that one fruit that's producing the rest of the attribute is love. Did you get that? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love. That's it. And then the next thing is what? Joy. Now, I want you to understand that. When you have the Holy Spirit, you are in the kingdom. Remember that. Because the kingdom is pushed by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the kingdom of God. So, what's the next thing that happens? When you are in the kingdom, these are the things that begin to happen in your life. That's why he said the fruit, this is what he accomplishes within you. And he said, love. What's the next thing? Joy. With the gladness. Peace. Patience. And evil temper. And this is very important. If you are the kingdom, you cannot sense yourself. You can know whether you are the kingdom or not. If you bear in the fruit or not bear in the fruit, you will know. And that is why you can experience the joy that you're supposed to have if you are in the kingdom because you are not bearing the fruit. What's that? Evil temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness. What's the next thing? Gentleness, which is meekness and humility. Hallelujah. Self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring what? A charge. In other words, you can be condemned. If you are the fruit of the Spirit, you can go to hell the way people preach it. You understand? No law can come against you if you're walking in I mean, if the, the fruit of the Spirit be manifested in your life, no law can come against you. No man can lay charge against you. Not even the devil can lay charge against you if you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. No law. Amen? Praise God, somebody. So you find that what the Jews could not accomplish was simply because there was no sprinkling, in quote, as he got 36, of clean water, and then renewing a new heart. They never had that, so they can't walk in it. But now, therefore, the law was against them constantly. Hallelujah. Praise God. So but now, you are in the kingdom, and the fruit of the Spirit is what manifests in your life. So you can check your life with these things. Do you have all of these qualities? You can read from simpler translation. Do you have those qualities? And this is what gives you the experience you are supposed to have in the kingdom. Which has to do with the righteousness, the peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now the joy we're talking about is coming from the love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Remember? The fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And once love is in place, every other thing can work. You can forbear people. You can have long suffering with people. You can enjoy. You understand that? 
whatever thing people are trying to do to you. You can be gentle. You can become, I mean, humility will be manifested. When you have love, all of this will begin to walk in your life. That means you're already in the kingdom. That means you're accepted. That's why the scripture talks about those who are in the kingdom, they're accepted to the God and approved of work by men. There is no man that works in this thing that other people will not love. No man. Let's be honest with ourselves. Praise the living God. I remember one time when we went for a training. Man of war in those days. Uh, during the white brigades, one man of war trained for local government in a holder. And so we went to Alu, Alu 66. That's our, our course, leadership training. And then we brought somebody to come and talk to us on what is called public relation. That's PRO. That's a leader. You're supposed to have public relation. And the man came. Then I wasn't a believer. And he said, you want to have public relation? You want to be able to have, I mean, get into the heart of people? You want people to accept you? I mean, your proposals, you want them? He said, there is only one thing you can do. Go to Galatians chapter 5, go to verse 22 and 23. And then he brought the Bible and I already said, go practice this thing and that is your PRO. And it's perfect. Because any man that have these things is acceptable God and approved of men. Do you understand that? And that is the kingdom of God. That God intend us to manifest right now on the face of the earth. Walking by the fruit of the spirit. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.